What's up, social media? Well, welcome. This is our first live today. We're going to look at some of the headlines I would have covered in my podcast, which would have been named Sunny Side Up. So last week I was looking at my podcast. Um, I started it on Anchor.fm. I love Anchor.fm, um, but the way I was using it at the time. I would record on the phone, and with the phone, you have limited editing capability. And you know, you have to do it in segments, and it's like a one take kind of segment. So, what I did instead, I decided, okay, let me see if I can upload it online on the desktop. And they have that option. But then I thought, you know what? I always had it in the back of my mind to go on SoundCloud. So, I said, you know what? Let me move it to SoundCloud. You know, Anchor.fm already put so much stuff, you know, they already registered me, distributed me to Google Play Music and to Pocket Cast. I'm already there. So I said, okay, I will stay with Anchor.fm and record the podcast the good old-fashioned way with, you know, headphones and microphone and all of that and upload it. And I'll just take that file and put it on SoundCloud as well. And I said, okay, well, since I'm already on that, let me see if I can change the name. Because if I realize, you know, when they talk about social media and um, putting yourself out there on social media and attracting attention on social media, one of the things that you always hear people talk about is use of keywords. You know, what kind of keywords are you using so that people can find you? And I had this huge epiphany you would think I would know by now. Eh? So I had this huge epiphany. Wait a minute, Keisha. Sunny side up doesn't really <laughs> cause people to think, oh, social media, unless they go on and read the description below. So I said, you know what, let me change the name. Because, um, you know, I, I had a soft heart for the name Sunny Side Up. Because that's the vibe I want to have and stuff. Make people feel good. I mean, I know sometimes the news mightn't always be great, but still. Uh, make people feel nice and so on but i said no keisha you have to be professional about this so and again if you're going to be brand centered etc you know you have to take note of what kind of keywords you're using because you want people to be able to find you so therefore i changed the name to whatsapp social media and i also changed up some of the graphics and so on so if you go on SoundCloud and look for WhatsApp social media, you'll just see the artwork. You're not going to see anything there as yet. Because what I'm doing, I'm downloading the episodes, the previous three episodes, and fixing them, reformatting them, engineering them, with the help of my partner, thank goodness, and <laughs> take out all the breaths and so on, and, you know, make it sound smoother and so on so that I'll be able to present something really nice to everybody. If you are looking for me on anchor.fm, I'm still there. The previous three episodes are also still there. It's now under the name WhatsApp Social Media. So it's not WhatsApp, eh? What's up Social Media? Question mark. All right? So I'm, I'm warming up to the new name. Yeah, yeah. I still have a soft heart for sunny side up, but again, you do what you have to do. So that's my long story behind 
what's going on right now with the podcast. Now, in light of that, there's no podcast to listen to. So to make up for that lack, you know, make up for that vacuum that I have created in your heart, I have come here with a live to cover some of the headlines that would have been discussed in the podcast this week. Okay, now I can't do all. You know, every week, the amount of stuff going on in the social media world. Let me put it this way. Every week when I curate the news from, you know, I use Feedly and I use um, Google Alerts and so on to curate news. Oh, my goodness. I end up with a list of about 30 pieces of news, updates, opinions, perspectives, you name it, on any given week at least. And then I try to break that down to about 10 top news and then little updates, etc. So what I will be covering in this live today is just about four top news and uh, some little updates. So as per my podcast, let's begin. This episode covers news from the 11th to the 17th of March. We'll start with Facebook suspending Cambridge Analytica. Now, the news I'm going to give you, I'm just covering what's happening. If I'm giving my opinion, it will just be exactly my opinion. I would not um, try to add too much to it. I would just say what I think and then just report the news as is. So, Facebook suspended Cambridge Analytica last week, Wednesday, I believe. And the Facebook newsroom put out an announcement explaining what happened. Okay, so I'll just read some of my notes here. According to Facebook newsroom, this action was taken a few days after discovering that the firm Cambridge Analytica did not delete data that it received as a third party. And they had been instructed by Facebook to do so since 2015. That's like, what, three years ago now? Yeah. So at the time, 2015, they had assured Facebook, you know, provide all the certificates and proof, proof that they had deleted the data. And according to Facebook, only about two or not, or a couple of days ago, they discovered that they didn't, that they essentially lied to Facebook. So essentially about three years now of this firm that's been sticking its grubby fingers into almost everything all over the world, from Trump elections to all kinds of stuff in the Caribbean, was actually connected to Trinidad and Tobago at a certain time. I think they did um, data collection in Trinidad and Tobago as well. So yeah, they're sticking their little grubby little hands into everything. And imagine for three years, they've had all of this data, told Facebook that they got rid of it as required, and they didn't. So in light of that, Facebook suspended Cambridge Analytica, as well as some other related companies and other agents from Facebook. Now, how was the backstory with this whole thing? I mean, how did Cambridge Analytica get this data? Well, they got it from the Cambridge psychology professor named Alexander Kogan. 
And he, in turn, he legally obtained the data via an app that he had developed that used a Facebook login. And that's one of those things they have to be really careful about. Eh? Because if you use a Facebook, you know, you sometimes sign into an app or you join an app or whatever. And you are presented with the option. You could sign in with Google, sign in with Facebook, etc. Once you sign in with Facebook, although you can always go back into your Facebook and adjust those settings, you are essentially giving the app access to your Facebook data. So any data, well, I wouldn't say any, but basically data that Facebook has on you based on your activity in their platform, at least part of it would then become available to that app, right? Now, you again, as I said, you can go in and adjust settings, for example, give them access only to you, not to your friends, indicate how much information you're willing to share. And hey, if you're not comfortable how much information is being shared, you can not sign into the app. And um, that's something personally I tend to be careful with, but then again, for example, you know, some games and so on, you know, you just treat it as a meh. But again, you don't know. Because something might come across as a game and it's because, like this guy, Alexander Kogan, he takes the data in good faith and then goes and hands it over to a third party, which he was not supposed to do. That is clearly outside of the permissions that Facebook grants to these app developers. So he goes ahead and he hands over this data to Cambridge Analytica and they used that data for oh the heavens only know what anyway so um how much data are you talking about how many people well they're looking at two hundred thousand no sorry more than two hundred thousand people yeah that doesn't sound like a lot in in a, a country like the us but this is the thing they didn't just get access to data about the people who signed into the app, which was more than 200,000 people. They also got access to data indirectly on those people's friends. So when you extrapolate what started off as more than 200,000 people, it expanded to uh, 50 million, 50 million people indirectly was affected by this. So 50 million people's data was handed over to Cambridge Analytica to play with, right? So it's a very serious situation. And now, now we learn via Facebook that they discovered that Cambridge Analytica didn't delete their data. Now, of course, this is coming from Facebook Newsroom. The various media outlets, for example, New York Times, um, they have another perspective on it because what one of the little coincidences is that it was the same week that the New York Times and another newspaper, as we would say here in Trinidad, Busty Mark, and they released these stories about this entire this exact situation into the public sphere 
and then you know it by coincidence facebook then took action so in the from the perspective of certain people from the perspective of many people um yeah facebook only acted because they got shown up but again everyone has their various perspectives i'm just presenting the information as the facebook newsroom presented and just to end this part of our session i'll just quote from their article the facebook newsroom post quote we are committed to vigorously enforcing our policies to protect people's information we will take whatever steps are required to see that this happens we will take legal action if necessary to hold them responsible and accountable for any unlawful behavior. Let's see what happens. Let's see how things progress. Let's move on to the other story. YouTube and Wikipedia. Okay. Now, here in Trinidad and Tobago, people are very, very familiar with the various conspiracy theory videos that are out there. Now, for this story, when I say conspiracy theory videos, I'm referring to all of those various videos that talk about things like Illuminati, um, the world is flat, chemtrails, you name it. Any of those kinds of videos that present a, a certain conspiracy theory, or a certain perspective that more often than not comes with very little verification and can usually be debunked relatively easy with some, you know, critical thinking. Those kinds of videos, those things that tend to, to veer off to the extremes. So there have been many calls out there to YouTube to clamp down on these videos because it's not just that they are there, it's that YouTube, for the sake of increasing viewership, tends to recommend these videos that that skew to the extremes to people to keep them watching. Because I mean, again, shock factor. They're like, oh my God, really? And then you go to the next video. Oh my God, really? And then go to the next video, and the next video, and the next video, and so on and so forth. So it's a major, major issue. There they are with all of these videos that are very tempting. And, you know, you want to make money. So, of course, you want to put a lot of tempting stuff in front of people to keep them on the platform. But then you have to think about what kind of impact you're having on the community, on society. Because there are a lot of people out there that will watch these videos and believe what is being presented and other people that are presenting quality stuff with verified information and will help people to grow and become more informed that sorry those kinds of videos are basically shunted to the side because they don't have that sexy shock value that these conspiracy theory videos have so there was this festival called south by southwest sxsw that just completed recently and at that festival the youtube ceo susan wojcicki she announced 
that links to Wikipedia articles will be added to YouTube videos that promote conspiracy theories. So a form of fact-checking. So in other words, I'm watching this video, but there's a link provided in the description or somewhere below the video to basically indicate, okay, this is, here is a link to uh, a more neutral, nuanced perspective on this very same topic. Now, I have my own personal perspectives on that, but let's go to the other problems that, um, that came out of this. Because there was a, there was a lot of response to this announcement. Firstly, one of the biggest issues was the fact that Wikipedia was not consulted. So YouTube, um, the YouTube CEO announcing that Wikipedia links will be used. That announcement was when Wikipedia linked of it. So that was an issue. I mean, oh gosh, they, they, yes, they are a free to use platform. They promote the propagation of free information to anyone that would, you know, like to have access to it, etc. But if not for just one company to another to interact and communicate and cooperate, at least consult with them to find out, okay, how best can we do this? Should we A, be tested to check to see how much of an impact this would have? How can Wikipedia prepare themselves for this influx of people going, checking out the links and so on? That, that was something that should have been done and it wasn't. So that was one source of outcry. The other concern expressed was what happens to Wikipedia if some of these more aggressive conspiracy theorists, they decide to go into Wikipedia now and spam Wikipedia and flood Wikipedia with requests and try to go and change the articles and so on, because again, they would perceive it as their conspiracy theory being attacked. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the possibility of some of these conspiracy theorists taking an aggressive tactic to try to counteract what would essentially be an attack on them. You know, so that is something that we have to look at. Well, they will have to look at. Yeah, so that's the situation of YouTube versus Wikipedia. Well, not versus. YouTube and Wikipedia supposed to work together. People get along. Right? Um, my opinion. My opinion is this. It should have been better planned and thought out. I mean, oh gosh, this is, YouTube is owned by Google, okay? Google, all right? So you're telling me that a company that would plan the launch of a new app, etc., months, years ahead, that is the level of planning you put into counteracting this issue that people have been complaining about for years, really? So... I think they should have done a much better job. And then there's the other issue of using links. Now, I was a science teacher, and I also am very passionate about science literacy and critical thinking. And uh, this one thing I've learned over the years is that giving more information to somebody does not necessarily mean that the person will, their minds will be changed. Okay, that is not a guarantee. Now, it depends on what, it depends on what their target audience is. If their target audience consists of,
people on the fence, people who they just came across the video and they just check it out for curiosity's sake, you know, human nature and human curiosity. They checked it out for curiosity's sake and they just, you know, wanted to check to see, well, what's this about? People in that segment, you could probably reach them. But if they target it otherwise, a link it will do nothing. It will have no impact. All right? Um, YouTube needs to make a, a major choice, okay? They've already, they, their hands were already um, forced with the Logan Paul controversy. Do you want another version of Logan Paul to force your hand on all of these conspiracy theory videos? Really? Well, it looks like that is what has to happen. Another version of a Logan Paul controversy has to happen before YouTube takes serious action on this. Because this whole thing they're doing right now just sounds like, oh, oh crap, I have this festival to go to. Let me make this announcement and, you know, look like we're doing something. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not impressed. All right? It, it could have done, been done much better. And they are very capable of it. And on top of that, why lean on free labor? I mean, oh gosh, Wikipedia is already a free, free platform. They already have to be begging for money every year to keep going. You know, Google is well equipped. They have Google News Lab. They have all of these various resources. They have Google for education. They have Google for digital literacy. They have so many uh, resources available to them that they could use. They could have used their own resources to deal with this issue. They did not have to farm it off to some other platform that already has enough on their hands. Okay? So that's my opinion on the whole YouTube using Wikipedia issue. Right? So on to the next story. Well, we're back with YouTube and fake news again. And this time we are going to India where they are dealing with a flood of fake news coming through YouTube. Now, India has a feed that is a trending feed that is particular to their country. It's provided to them. And they've had an issue with that for a while. You know, same problem. Conspiracy theory videos, etc. Um, showing up and people, you know, watching it and spreading it and spreading rumors, etc in video form, and then, of course, that will then shift to Facebook, etc. But something else has happened in recent times that has made that problem worse. Now there are cheap data plans available that now opens up access to an entire segment of the population that never had access to all of this before. Um, you're talking about the lower income bracket of the population. Now, according to activists in India that are expressing concern about this situation, they're saying that, look, the literacy levels for this segment of the population is not as high. Now, I have my own questions about that. It's not as high, so they are more vulnerable to these videos, and to, they are more vulnerable to being tricked by these videos. And now that there's this, you know, relatively cheap access being provided, now you have, instead of good information, verified information, you know, information that will push people forward, that's not what's being flooded towards people in India. It's 
the fake news stuff, conspiracy theories and all of the drama. One particular example was when the recent, there was a recent death of the actress, Sri Devi, and there was tons and tons of all of these videos basically pushing a lot of rumors and conjecture, just taking over the YouTube feeds. I don't even want to start to think about how the family could be feeling on top of grieving your your relative's death and having to deal with you have to go to the funeral and all the rites and etc. And the fact that she's already a famous actress. Now you have to be putting out all of this energy to counteract all of this um, pseudo news being put out about your relative. I can't even start to imagine how that feels. Well, no, I could. Yeah. But not at that scale. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I, I feel it for them. You know, because it's, it's, it's hard to be on the receiving end of something like that. And let's put it this way. There was this, um, particular, um, activist from India. And I'm so sorry. I don't have his name on hand right now. He tweeted just a, sh a shot, a screenshot of a list of videos being recommended and all of them was fake news. Fake, 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 fake. So even if you put out good news, even if you put out quality news, even if you put out um, news that's based on verified data, it's buried under all of this fake news. So you can't even try to counteract it. And then now there's wide tranches of people who, let's face it, because of literacy levels, are not going to step back and say, okay, let me look at this video. What, what, what are they seeing here? Is what they're seeing making sense? Is what they're seeing verified? What are their sources? What are the citations for all these things that they're seeing? They're just going to swallow it, you know, lock, stock, and barrel, basically. Right? Now I know you can't really swallow a barrel, but you know what I mean? Basically, just take it as it is without any questions, right? So that is something that India is dealing with right now. And I can say for sure, coming from where I'm coming from, yeah, we are beyond trying to deal with that here. It's, it's rampant here. I mean, in, in my days when I basically tried to, to do a little encouraging people towards science literacy, it was a battle, a real battle. You know, um, so yeah, it's one of those, those issues that's close to my heart. So with that, let me see if there's anything else to say about that. It's a really difficult situation to deal with. Um, I do have one particular perspective on this. Um, yes, Google and YouTube needs to do a much better job, but to me, this illustrates perfectly the importance of a scientifically literate population. It, it shows you how important it is to ensure that a population can think for themselves, can think critically, right? Because as you can tell, yeah, once information is fed to that population, if they can't stop and look at it and evaluate it critically, yeah, you're basically a sitting duck. So to me, it's a matter of that should be, instead of spending all the time getting on Google's case and YouTube's case, which is also important, also 
it should we should be spending more time saying, hey, this is showing us how important it is to make sure that our population is as literate as possible. And trust me, this is not something that's particular to India alone. This is going on around the world. I think one of the few countries that's been able to counteract this fake news issue is Finland. And why? Because they treat it as a priority to ensure that from primary school up, from elementary school up, their young people, older people, they have adult classes, etc., teaching people how to evaluate information, teaching people media literacy, teaching people scientific literacy, teaching their people critical thinking. So when those face, those um, fake news attacks came at Finland, eh, the response was literally meh. It had very little impact because the population, they themselves were able to look at it and say, okay, does this make sense? Is this verified? Is this rational? And they were able to counteract it. But I'm ding, end of problem. So once again, it's an issue of our people, human beings. I don't know what it is with us. Human beings seeing a problem and choosing a solution that is basically sound and fury signifying nothing. When there's a nice, less glamorous solution that's far more effective, we avoid that. We go and we make noise and rant and rave and, and, and you basically get nothing done. So that's um, the India YouTube issue. Now on to the next piece of news. <sighs> poor Snapchat. Well, actually, no, not poor Snapchat. Because really, Snapchat, that's what you're going to do? Now, what am I talking about? Okay, listen to this. Would you rather slap Rihanna? or punch Chris Brown? Those are the questions posed in an ad on Snapchat. How that passed through Snapchat reviewers, I don't know. I really don't know. Really? Seriously? I mean, how? I have no idea. I, I can't even start to put my brain in that direction, okay? So, my, that's how I'm feeling when I, when I read about it. <laughs> so you can imagine how Rihanna felt, right? She wasn't pleased, okay? Now, Snapchat in response to the backlash because Rihanna wasn't pleased. And then, of course, people came at them for this thing and they apologized. Again, to me, it's like only when they got caught, that is when... They'll be like, oh, we're so sorry, and we're so, oh my gosh, we had no idea. It's like, really? Come on. If, if you were so worried, how did it pass your reviewers? Anyway, Usa, breathe, Keisha, breathe. So Snapchat, let me give Snapchat their space. So Snapchat, in response to the backlash, they removed the ad, and they issued an apology. And this was this, well, this is part of their statement. The advert was reviewed, I'm quoting here, the advert was reviewed and approved in error as it violates our advertising guidelines. We immediately removed the ad last weekend once we became aware. They even went as far as to call their own ad disgusting. And I'm like, really? Anyway, no. They, that's what they said. Okay. 
Rihanna was not satisfied, and I agree. So um, she replied in an Instagram story saying the following, and I quote, and I'm sorry, I go in full scale Trini with this, okay? <laughs> quote, now Snapchat, I know you already know you ain't my fave app out there, but I'm just trying to figure out what the point was with this mess. I'd love to call it ignorance, but I know you ain't that dumb. You spend money to animate something that would intentionally bring shame to DV victims and made a joke of it. This isn't about my personal feelings because I don't have much of them, but all the women, children, and men that have been victims of DV in the past, and especially the ones who haven't made it out yet, you let us down. Shame on you. Throw the whole app apology away. Unquote. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Now, this is not the first time that a celebrity has expressed negative feelings towards Snapchat, um, Kylie Jenner, for no particular reason that we know of. Outer the Blue tweeted that she hardly uses Snapchat anymore a couple weeks ago, and that caused their stock to drop like 7%. And lose a few billion dollars okay but this one come on I mean you're literally looking for trouble okay you're basically I I would call it pure carelessness real carelessness and as I said before you know you got caught and then you try to apologize and I'm sorry speaking as a Caribbean woman no 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 that's not acceptable now, Snapchat is a young, publicly traded company. In other words, they've only recently gone public. So, of course, their stock is going to be volatile. You're going to have people investing in the stock. Oh, no, they're still watching to see what's going on with the company. So that's why you'll find when things like this happen, like a celebrity will make a statement that will cause the stock to go up or down depending on the kinds of statements made and the fact that snapchat is an app that is particular to young people so if i'm in and most investors are like these old white men sorry well old men or older men or older women adults who have the time they have no idea what snapchat is about but they see an opportunity to make money so you know they buy the stock so something like this if i'm not using the app myself i don't understand the app myself yeah, I'm going to be, you know, testy. So with Rihanna's statement, um, their stock dropped that day by 5%, which according to CNBC cut the company's value by $600 million. I know many a mother who wishes that their words would have that much impact on their children. Well, some mothers... Yeah, because I know some mothers, yeah, you wouldn't just drop 5%. You drop. If your mother just take one look at you, one little side eye, and you drop, you behave yourself one time. They may even want to get apology. But uh, Rihanna said her said, you know, said her piece, and the stock responded accordingly. I really hope Snapchat gets their act together because more and more it's starting to look like Snapchat is a little Ooh. yeah they're, they're, they're not um 
they're trying their best, but um, they're, they're making a lot of little faux pas, man. And um, it's 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 an app that has gone through a lot. So I wish them the best. But you really need to get your act together. Okay? Now, last news. Pinterest report on the deciders. Now, this is according to social media today. Um, let me find it. Yeah, it's according to a social media today report. And I'm going to quote them. Pinterest, quote, Pinterest has released a new report into how women aged 25 to 54 use the platform, a segment they're calling the deciders. And to quote the Pinterest report, the group of women are called that because they, quoting the report, make the majority of purchase decisions in U.S. households they're responsible for 80% of household buying, and they control more than 50% of the wealth in the U.S. Now, this is in the U.S., but um, let's face it. This could apply across the board, apart from the use of Pinterest. Pinterest is still one of the minor platforms in Trinidad, according to the latest reports by um, We Are Social. Yeah, by We Are Social and other reports where they did a review of social media use throughout the world. Um, I checked for Trinidad and Tobago. Pinterest is one of the minor platforms. But it's still significant. I think about 100,000. Uh, I'll have to check it again. But I, from what I can remember, about 100,000 people in Trinidad and Tobago are at least signed on to Pinterest. We don't know if it's active, if they are active users. But yeah, there's a good amount of people there. And that's significant. Um, that's something that I'm hoping more people would take advantage of. Now, um, what does that mean in terms of, okay, if I want to use Pinterest, what are some of the aspects of this report that I can pay close attention to? Well, I'll just pull out three major points. The biggest theme of the whole report was that women use the platform to plan small or big life moments. So you're going, you're looking at recipe ideas for meals and snacks, taking a vacation, planning to purchase a home, and so on. So the full range. Now, Pinterest, according to their own CEO, is not strictly a social media platform. It's more of a discovery platform. So compared to Facebook, where organic reach is like oh, so hard to get anymore, trying to link out. In other words, you put a link in Facebook because you want to bring people to your website or to your blog, etc. That's something that's frowned upon on most social media platforms. But on Pinterest, oh, they love that because that's what it's designed for. It's designed to allow people to discover you. Just visually, think of it like a visual search engine. So instead of you looking for things in terms of text, the results are presented to you in various graphics and memes and stuff like that, you know, that are designed by the people who want you to come to their website or come to their blog, etc. So it's designed for linking out. Okay, now, come on, that's, mm, that's perfect. So... A lot of people stay away from it because they have this thing that was a woman thing. But, hey, if it, even if it's a woman thing, 
women are the deciders when it comes to spending money in most U.S. households. And I would dare say, Trini household, Jamaican households, Barbadian households, UK house, you name it, every household. Even if it's a woman thing, still, it's a, it's a very powerful platform to market yourself. Now, according to the report, I'll just bring out three, about three pointers from it. Three stats. So one stat was that 78% said that content from brands was helpful in their discovery process. So if I have a particular brand, let's say I'm selling jewelry or I'm selling gym clothes, etc., and I bring my, I get on Pinterest, I produce content, for example, give some exercise ideas, etc., and I put my stuff out on Pinterest. That is viewed positively by the women that are on that platform. They're happy for that. That actually would, that would influence them to buy from your brand. So yeah, take advantage of that. Pinterest reaches 70% of deciders who've purchased jewelry, watches, or accessories in the past six months. If you're not on Pinterest, what's wrong with you? Okay, 70%, all right? Um, people who buy these things, you can reach them via Pinterest. And one more stat, 52% of deciders spend at least $500 on beauty purchases in the past six months with 51% being exposed to new brands on the platform. So you're looking at, if you need to build awareness, the top of that sales funnel, you want to build awareness, Pinterest is a great platform to get onto. And one in two women who would be on Pinterest would be people that would spend the money, okay? So in other words, the chances for conversion, the chances of getting people to actually purchase, not just look and say, oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's really nice. But um, no, not buying. Yeah, one in two women, the chances of them buying is significantly higher. All right, so Pinterest is one of those places I really personally believe it's, it's, a, it's a platform that really has the potential to take off locally where I am and, even, and further out into the world. So look out for me talking some more about Pinterest in written form, etc. Right, so those are the main highlights from last week in the social media world. Of course, there were lots of other um, highlights, lots of other updates, etc. So let's talk about WhatsApp. Okay, there's some message about a Heineken giveaway. I don't know if it's still around. I haven't seen it on my WhatsApp, but um, there's word that there's a message about a Heineken giveaway. Do not click on it. It's a scam. That's about it. <laughs> Don't click. All right. There's no giveaway. All right, people. Nobody's giving away Heineken on WhatsApp because if they will, seriously, I'd be here talking to you with a Heineken in my hand because I know I could do it some days. That's WhatsApp. Oh, there's one other thing, really important. WhatsApp for Android. If you have an Android phone and you have WhatsApp on Android, they're now letting you add group descriptions. Now, remember in WhatsApp, you have two types of um, collections of people. You have broadcast and you have group. Broadcast is one to many. 
you can have a group of people and you can send a message out to all of them at once. And um, if I, did they reply? You can reply, but it, any replies would be seen by the entire group of people that you broadcasted to. Group descriptions, however, are more one-to-one -one and one-to-many. So you can send messages to the entire group. You can send messages to one particular person, to smaller sets of subsets of people, etc. That one, you can now add a group description on WhatsApp Android. Let's see what else I can talk about really, really quickly. Um, no, Instagram is not bringing back the chronological feed. You can cry, moan, bawl, uh, uh, uh. Instagram is not bringing back the chronological feed. They are sticking with their algorithm. So it goes. Google will be banning all crypto-related ads from June 2018. Listen, they say June 2018, but understand that essentially means that your reach with Google ads even now is already dropping precipitously. There have already been complaints by cryptocurrency advertisers that their reach is just reducing, 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 reducing really fast. So them saying that it's going to be banned by June 2018 essentially means it goes to zero by 2018. Doesn't mean it's already being reduced. Now, I'm not no cryptocurrency expert or even amateur. So I'm not going to give any hot take, cool take, medium take on it. I'm just letting you know. And I'll end with these two interesting pieces for Facebook. Facebook is launching, well, they already launched. In the same South by Southwest festival, they launched AR effects. That's the augmented reality effects tied to real world markers. Now, what does that mean? It means... Oh no, AR would be, would be, you know, when you do those stories, like Snapchat is known for that. You know, you do these stories and they show, a, um, if you choose a certain effect, they put a, you know, cat on your head or make your mouth get bigger, stuff like that. Right. That's augmented reality. Um, but that was not really tied to any particular place. It was random. You, you just chose it, take your phone up, do your story, bam. There it goes. But now Facebook is um, has got brought it to the point where it's now connected to real-world markers, meaning, for example, they used it for the Wrinkle in Time posters, where if you put your phone up next to the poster, the beautiful poster with your Facebook um, camera, it would produce this animation that you could see, you know, through your phone, of course the other movie coming up soon promoted it heavily at south by southwest ready player one their posters when you point your facebook camera at it it looks like you're looking at the poster and there's this window opening and you're seeing some other world beyond the window so that's tied to a particular place tied to a particular location okay and that's expanding when i read that the first thing i thought about was this show altered carbon mm -hmm where the guy was walking through certain part of the city and everywhere he looked, there would be this hologram advertising one thing or other. So people, thank you for joining me. 
and I hope you enjoyed our talk and our podcast, What's Up Social Media, will be on stream Monday, 26th of March. All right, have a great afternoon, people, and have a wonderful day tomorrow. Get some good rest tonight, and I'll see you soon. Bye.